Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Cabbage Corp podcast began. Hey, this is Josh. And this is Christian. And welcome to the Cabbage Corp podcast. The Cabbage Corp podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Head to anchor.fm slash cabbagecorppod to find the podcast app of your choice. Also, for our Korean listeners, don't worry, we are also on Podbang. If you like this episode, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. We love to hear from all of you guys, so leave comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome back to the Cabbage Core Podcast, to all the cabbage heads here. This is part two of our, not episodic recap, but Avatar World Building Universe and Lore. Today we're going to be talking about the Water Tribe. So last week, we went over the history and influence behind two out of the four bending nations within Avatar The Last Airbender. And today, we will be getting into the history of the Water Tribes. So the creators took a lot of inspiration for the Water Tribe from the Inuit and Yupik native cultures, um, which can be seen in the way they wear their fur and their animal skin as protection and as clothing itself. And if you look at Katara's anorak with the hood that she puts on, it's it's very um, it's very standardized into Inuit culture, um, and it's made for for purely um, cold weather protecting uh, kind of uh, yeah kind of purpose here. So everything you see that the the water tribes because they grew up and they the civilizations there in the north and southern um, poles is for protection from the cold essentially, even to the point where I think Sokka make seal jerky right a lot is is seal jerky mentioned a lot yeah that's that's a dish that they have yeah you know what i'm not so fond of the water tribe's food christian i i know when uh <laughs> when bato makes like his like stew and stuff and ang is like kind of spitting out i'm not i'm ang not ang is not happy with that yeah ang, and ang has a, a ang for a, a vegetarian has a very cultured uh, uh palate towards eggs and um other other me- murderous mutilation things so yeah i don't know yeah it's yeah, it's definitely suited for the cold weather, and you see that in both the tribes, the southern and um, northern water tribe. Regardless of how advanced northern water tribe was, when Zuko was kind of running away, other than the city, it was like all ice That's right. and all. It was basically like a blizzard, and they were always wearing coats. It was it was not like Aang, which I'm confused because Aang was just wearing his regular clothes. Like he's probably freezing his butt off. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this is a side conversation, side note, but like who gets the coldest, like whose body can't adjust to temperature that much? Cause we actually don't see um, like different reactions. Like I think Zuko, I guess he's just kind of burned by the desire to catch Aang all the time, but like he's always seems to be fine wherever he goes, you know, he doesn't complain about weather being hot or cold. It's usually Sokka and the gang who's always complaining about it's too hot. I'm too bored. It's too high up here on Appa. So I don't know. <laughs> it's like when they're in the tundra, it doesn't seem like it affects that many people, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like we say, they're just kids. They're just complaining about the horrible weather. Okay, they're just kids. You're right, Christian. We're back on there, just kids. Talk us through. Um, we talked a little bit about the north and south regions of the of the globe, of the Avatar universe globe here. But uh, there's also... A, a weird sect of waterbenders um, we haven't met yet, I don't believe. But um, yeah, talk to us about the Foggy Swamp people. What, what are they? Yes. So 
basically we talked about it in our last episode how they all lived on the lion turtles however at one point they all ended up separating and going to their own i guess like section of the world and the foggy swamps was in the earth kingdom and this was actually kind of how they how the waterbenders used to live like on the lion turtles it was they used to live in a tropical place but for the northern and southern water tribe they ended up kind of migrating to the north and south poles so the foggy tra- the foggy swamp i guess people they were kind of more so of the origins of like what waterbenders oh, really look like interesting um yeah. that's not a great look for the waterbenders let me tell you that i think uh they the foggy swamp people came out as like kind of like hicks as they are like big big bellies they wore like straw hats <laughs> and grass skirts um they had like really strange kentucky uh louisiana twangs with them which is hilarious but uh yeah no that's interesting i think we as we talked about lion turtles last um last episode around the waterbenders original water tribe people came from the like a tropical ocean turtle you know and so for them to find a new home again in the tundra of the north and south um south poles is uh, is quite an evolutionary feat mm-hmm. and the this tribe that was in the earth kingdom wasn't really known until the trio ended up stumbling upon them like it wasn't really known to the north and south water tribe that there were other people kind of yeah lingering they kept their low key vendors and so let's talk about the water tribe's role in the hundred year war right this is the hundred year war is essentially the time and place the context that we're thrown into when we find the avatar universe in the first place so what what was the kind of contributions that um, the Water Tribe had during the Hundred Year War? So the Southern and Northern Water Tribe obviously had different contributions, but overall, both of them really um, didn't play as big of a role as the Earth Kingdom, but they tried to stand their ground. Like they never um, admitted defeat until it was to the point where they couldn't do anything about it. So even with the Southern Water Tribe, of course, they ended up being defeated by the fire nation and the fire nation raids but they constantly held their ground and that showed that the fire nation felt like they were a threat and we'll get into more detail of like what exactly they did for the southern water tribe they didn't do much they just stood their ground but for the northern water tribe like we saw in the end of book one they had a huge role in i guess yeah um the fire nation being defeated at one point yeah, to the point where our our guy Christian, your guy Admiral Zhao was uh, yeah <laughs> was lit was 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 talked to them talked about the Northern Water Tribe with um, a respect and a fear that we we really haven't seen from Zhao um, before or since. So yeah, it talked to them about how formidable they were as not only a culture but a military force who held their ground. Um, another thing to I guess talk about within the water tribe as a whole before we go into the differences between the southern and water tribe are their names, which I realized has were very similar. So a lot of their names include K's or one or two K's or an ah at some point in their name. Yeah, run run us through. So like for Sokka, uh-huh. he has two K's and he has an ah sound. Katara, she has a K and she has an ah sound. Paku has the two Ks, Hama has the ah sound, and Korra has both. And it's just really interesting that even though they are two separate tribes, we come to see that um, 
they do have similarities. Yeah, and we see that again, right, in um, Avatar Kuruk, mm-hmm. the the previous Water Tribe Avatar, and also in um, Chief Unalak, who is the big bad of season two of Korra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with all this information, we are actually going to now specifically talk about the Southern Water Tribe. Let's yeah, let's go and let's get into this. I mean, I'll ask you this again after we go 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 about this, Christian. But right now, who do you like better, Southern or Northern Water Tribe? Can we can we say a question like that? Can, can this be as subjective as who's better than who? It's hard if you think of like. We've talked about it, how the Northern Water Tribe definitely at some points felt like very prideful and they had so many strict rules about gender equality, Yeah, which obviously I understand there is some need of order and organization. However, I I feel like for me, it's like I see it in Katara's eyes. It's like, why can't I fight? Why, why am I subjected to these roles? But... In terms of organization yeah. and just sheer, like, how strong they are, it's like, oh, where would I want to live? I would want to live in the Northern I Water know, tribe. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. These people are still eating seal jerky as primary uh, fuel for um, the Southern Water Tribe. But, you know, in the North, they kind of got they kind of got their thing going. And, like, in Korra, this kind of, um, the balance kind of evens out a bit, right? With um, as we see Master Taku and the kind of um, the force go down to help you know settle and help you know grow the Southern Water Tribe again, we see the Northern Water Tribe in the Avatar Last Airbender like they got their own like spirit pond, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the South has nothing like they that. Have a they have island. the entire city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they got grass down there. Like the Southern Water Tribe never got offered grass. You know, <laughs> how come it's the the Moon Spirits were were only in the North? How come they couldn't split up like that? So, you know what? The Southern Water Tribe had had it rough, um, but we'll see kind of a, a, a what 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 a what's a nicer form of gentrification they're calling it. It's uh, not regeneration; it is revitalization mm. of the Southern Water Tribe eventually yes. after the the series of Avatar: The Last Airbender. But yeah, Christian. With that said, I was uh, talk to us about the the Southern Water Tribe. Talk to us about where we start this series off, right? Yeah, so um, I wanted to get into, like, I guess the customs of the Southern Water Tribe. And in the Northern Water Tribe, because as a show, we don't get to see so much of the customs, um, it's a little difficult. But for the Southern Water Tribe, we do know at least for gender equality, women were allowed to take part in battle. Just because we see that in Katara's willingness to learn and also we get to meet Hama who was actually from the Southern Water Tribe she fought side by side with men and women to fight off the fire raids that were coming so we do know that there was more of a equality there however through Sokka and how he talks about Katara we also see that there is some sort of gender roles just like he said like oh the women do the washing and the cleaning and the cooking so there is some area that does highlight that in the southern water tribe but i don't think it's as extensive as the northern water tribe no i think that's um that's absolutely correct and we touched on this and you really touched on this um a couple episodes ago was how gender roles often take 
uh, often are instituted by the needs of a society, right? And the Southern Water Tribe just had less people. So you needed everyone to be able to fight a bit. You know, you needed everyone to be able to clean a bit. You need everyone to be able to hunt a bit. As in, while as in the Northern Water Tribe, you can have fairly an, um, an even distribution of classic general tasks um, without having the women fighting or the children fighting here. But even the Southern Water Tribe, it's it's kind of hard because we never get to see um, Katara and um, Sokka's mother interact with uh, their father, right? So we're not really sure what that, what that kind of um, dynamic was like. But we do see Sokka training the boy children and not the girl children when mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the series. So you're right. I think there is some, I think the, the right way to think about it is there is some of the water tribe gender roles in place but they're a lot looser and permeable as opposed to what the northern mm-hmm. water tribe initially believed. yeah and from what i saw in the episodes it was more so the people the women who were allowed to fight in the battle were waterbenders i didn't really necessarily see just like women who weren't waterbenders but wanted to fight so it might have been particularly towards women who were benders so Gotcha. That could have been like their rule of like, hey, we don't like we don't want women to fight. However, if you are a waterbender, we will let you fight. Kind of thing. It might have been there in that area. So No, that's fair, because I think we don't get to see any southern waterbenders, right? At the same time, except for the the memories we get of Katar's mother and Hama fighting at at the last of it. Yeah. But um No, that's that's actually that's probably correct on that yes the benders need to fight because that's the best way to kind of preserve our civilization yeah um another thing is which we'll get into in contrast of the northern water tribe is marriage where from what we know people are just allowed to choose who they marry um kind of based off what katara said to to master paku it was kind of like oh she chose to leave and um, come to the Southern Water Tribe to have that freedom. So in my mind, it's kind of like we are inferring that how she was raised is she gets to choose who she wants to marry. It's You're right. I mean, love is love, and the Southern Water Tribe gets that. And uh, shout out shout out the Southern Water Tribe always. And then one last point on marriage and love, because, you know, we on the Cabbage Corp podcast, we love It Doesn't Hurt to Be the Avatar Relationship Coordinator. Wait, I, I thought of the, the, the acronym for this. So it's the IDHA, IDHA Relationship okay. Corner. IDHA. IDHA Relationship Corner. I love the sound effect you put in last time. Um, but maybe it's because we've only seen the betrayal. We've seen the betrothal twice, right? Um, the, the arranged betrothal in the Northern Water Tribe twice, officially in canon, was Master Paku mm-hmm. um, with uh, Grand Grand. And we see it with Princess Yue. So maybe it's kind of like a higher royal family maybe. or like governmental official kind of thing. Because yeah. we, don't, we don't necessarily get to get into the relational lives of the Northern Water Tribe soldiers yeah. or, <laughs> excuse me, outside of that. But maybe it's less strict when it's not of the royal family yeah. we're talking about. Also, I was thinking how we touched upon how we're like, oh my God, Katara, why don't you give your grandmother credit for that necklace? I'm just thinking just now, she probably didn't even know it was her grandmother's because she didn't know it was a betrothal necklace. She just thought it was a necklace that her mom had. So her grandma probably just never told them that she this is an engagement necklace and this is not something that this Southern Water Tribe ever did. So it might have just not not been a thing in the Southern Water Tribe. 
That's that's a fair point, Christian. And you know, if I could offer any bit of advice to my ladies out there listening to that, it's just like, just know what the jewelry means, right? Don't be walking <laughs> around with someone else's uh, engagement necklace, betrothal necklace. Know exactly when your man or woman gets you something of of uh, jewelry, valuable property that uh, you know what the intentionality is behind it. Well, my my one tip of the day. Does that make sense, Christian? Am yes. I completely off? No, that does make sense. Um, that's what you got to research. Like, you know, in like Hawaii, we know like the flower um, girls wear on the left ear, the right ear. It uh-huh. means different things. Um, oh, yeah. I, oh, look at I that. A real remember. world example. I'm, I'm yeah. it. I don't okay. remember uh, how. Christian, it would have been, been impressive, even more impressive had you known which ear it know. was. But I don't. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Yeah. Talk about what, what we're talking about flowers on ears, but it's essentially a rite of passage. Right. And we're talking about. Rites of passages for the Southern Water Tribe. What what are we seeing here? So this kind of custom we learned about when Sok and Katara met their old friend Bato. And he was kind of saying like, oh, you never got your rite of passage. And he kind of helped them through this journey, which is basically the rite of passage. Was you're, It's supposed to be at the age of 14 when you do this. And these children are supposed to ride a boat or like a ship and supposed to maneuver through like ice dodges and be able to get past that and basically survive, which is very dangerous, but that's just a rite of passage. And there are three marks that come out of this. Mark of the brave, mark of the wise, and mark of the trusted. And both all the trio basically got this these marks um, after the rite of passage. And we see this was a huge turning point in Aang's relationship with them because this is when he revealed that he kept this note that Katara and Sokka's father had for them. Oof, man, that that threw me into a spiral of thinking about the darkest time of Aang. Like we've seen some some rough times, but Aang is usually like the hero. And yeah, uh, yeah wow, that, that that took me for a thing. But that's, that's really great. I think... Um, I, that's one thing I, I love about this universe is that there are rites of passage for each nation, right? Kind of instituted there. And I think this episode that I had just seen for the first time when we were talking about it, um, when we were doing the rewatches, actually, with the first time I, we met, like, I saw Bato and all that is really great on how um, you teach the children on how to navigate a boat. And that's kind of the ascent to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Cool. So the next uh, the next section is warriors. We're talking about the warlike nature or the, the kind of combative nature within the Southern Water Tribe. And we see this um, through chiefly through uh, Chief Okoda and through Sokka himself. When um, the men, when they go off to battle, wear wolf-headed helmets mm-hmm. as kind of their battle armor. That's the, the big thing. They have some animal skin on their shoulders, but they have the wolf's head on there as, as helmets themselves. And we talked earlier about the women as waterbenders, accepted as fighters. We see this with Katara's mother and Hama, um, especially with the Southern Water Tribe. Maybe it came out of that kind of the necessity of a smaller tribe, all kind of all hands on deck. Everyone has to pitch in for the defense measures. But the women definitely had a role in protection in um, in actual the, the combat nature of of protecting their civilization. And also adding <clears throat> on as much as they had that, I guess, passion the one thing they did lack was the organization skills and just the sheer um, like manpower that the Northern Water Tribe had. And that was a big difference between the Southern and Northern Water Tribe. And we see that tension when Sokka kind of joins the Northern Water Tribe. Um, of They just kind of look down on Sokka because they just know he's from the Southern Water Tribe. 
Yeah, and it should be said why this exists, why this kind of parody of population and power exists is because the Southern Water Tribe is an offshoot, right? Is a is essentially a colony of the Northern Water Tribe. The Northern Water Tribe were the originals. So, mm-hmm. of course, there will be less people, less settlers, kind of less um, less population down in, in the South Pole as opposed to the original North. But it does kind of come out in a really ugly way, as in when um, Saka is essentially called a peasant because mm-hmm. he's from the Southern Water yeah. Tribe, maybe from a more rural ground. And so, unfortunately, the Northern neighbors have you know, this sense of looking down upon their southern uh, sister tribe. Yeah, um, and we we obviously see it in the last couple episodes of the first book in Avatar, and, but it doesn't really talk too much about it. I feel like it's more so revealed in Korra, like that the relationships yeah. between the southern and northern <clears throat> water tribe. Yeah, essentially, I think Korra is such a great... We, we get so much of... Uh, water tribe culture because Korra is yes. you know a water water bender avatar, but Korra um, essentially finds out that Unalak, who had been planning all this kind of dark spirit dark avatar stuff. Spoiler warning: you know, <laughs> a lot of shout out Vatu, the spirit of Vatu, reign of chaos. Another alternate name for this podcast. But Korra essentially accuses Unalak when she realizes like, oh Unalak, you must have been so upset that. Um, the the avatar for the for the water tribe came from the south and not the north because you're such a, kind of a northern water tribe zealous uh, zealous man who who believed that your tribe was better and so there is a natural disappointment that Korra was chosen from what Unalak and what the northerners believe is a lesser tribe, <sighs> which is unfortunate, very unfortunate that that was the that is still something that both tribes are struggling to comprehend that they're just because they're from different places doesn't really necessarily means one's better than the other. I know. I know. It's, it's a tough, it's, it's the super interesting political drama that I think we get more of um, not only in Korea, but especially in the kind of uh, accompanying comic books that kind of, that came out. So yeah, that's, that just kind of adds to the lore. Of it. I think it was definitely glossed over a bit more in avatar just because they're in in the middle of a war but it, it was yes. definitely hinted at like you knew watching the last couple episodes of avatar the last airbender book one you just knew that there was obviously tension and even from katara's like outbreaks against pa- uh, master paku and just their i guess um commanders you could just sense that they did look down upon her and her brother yeah you know what's what's wild christian is like as we were about to kind of address the southern water tribe's role in the war is that the main water tribe forces that we see is vast is large um, we have both chief Dakota and Sokka leading essentially the military campaign um against the fire nation we don't see the northern water tribe again uh, contribute to the war effort after after book one so like this tiny tribe with all their warriors who have been left out into sea, you know, who with Chief Dakota and the Batos of the world are the only ones fighting on behalf of the water, the water tribe and water nation. So, you know what? Northern water tribe kind of dicks at the end of the day. Let me just say, where's Master Paku? <laughs> if you think about it, the northern water tribe isolated themselves while the southern yes. water tribe kind of just dispersed and was like, you know what? Whoever needs our help, we're going to go out and help everybody. And I think it was because they did experience a loss of their home. 
being destroyed. While the Northern Water Tribe didn't experience that, so I feel like they didn't comprehend that other nations were going through the same thing. And they were just more concerned with their own tribe. Yeah, no, that's 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 absolutely you're you're on the money on that one, Christian. And we see Chief Akoda, Sokka's father, work with earthbenders, you know, work with, you know, Aang all the time with the kind of this like multinational unity mm-hmm. to fight the Fire Nation. The Northern Water Tribe really is just to themselves yes. completely, is isolated. Um, when the Fire Nation attacks, we actually don't even see Water Nation ships. The only times we see Northern Water Nation ships is when um, they 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 take Alpha down from the sky, right? When they're when they're trying mm-hmm. to find them. Yeah. So, the isolationist policy of the Northern Water Tribe, essentially, you know, they are the bossing say of the Water Tribe of the Water Nation, and I think um, it's the Southern Water Tribe putting on putting in all the work, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, Christian, talk to us more about what the Southern Water Tribe was doing, um, not only during the war, but before and after. Yeah, so um, in the beginning of the war, the tribes actually fought against the Fire Nation, and they endured. They did really well. The downfall came when Fire Lord Sozin gave more attention to the Southern Water Tribe because they weren't doing anything. And this is a story of Hama that we get to see later on. She becomes one of the last Southern Water Tribe benders before... Way later, Katara comes into the picture. So Hama is the last. She is taken away. And then later on, the fire raids continue to happen because they hear news of the that there is a new group of waterbenders coming back. And I did look into it. I'm not completely sure. But supposedly, once the raids happened, the southern water tribe kind of dispersed into many tribes around the South Pole. Oh. So Katara was part of one of them. And the Fire Nation found out there there was like a new generation of waterbenders. So they went out again. And that is when we find out the tragic story of Katara's mother. And there was, I believe, two other waterbenders within the Southern Water Tribe. And they were able to hide from it, just like Katara was. Um, we don't really know that story, but that is kind of, I guess, the end of the Southern Water Tribe in terms of the Fire Nation continuing to attack them. I mean, that's thank you, Christian, for that very sad, sad history. Um, but it's yeah, it essentially it's 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 because the Fire Nation is so technologically advanced that when they decide that one thing is a threat over the other, aside from Bossing Se, which is unconquerable, right? or the Northern Water Tribe, it's they throw their forces and they're malicious and they're ruthless with it. So that's kind of where this happens. And that's kind of, that is the context behind such, so much of the tragedy that's at the heart of this story, Mm -hmm. right? They're they're That's at the context of so much of the reason why they're just kids exist as they're just kids as a Mm -hmm. refrain from us because Katara's mother was taken away Mm -hmm. as we, as we well know. And I would say the Northern Water Tribe, this last fight, if, I mean, I know that the Fire Nation probably wouldn't have attacked if Aang wasn't there. But if Aang wasn't there to help, the same thing would have happened to the Northern Water Tribe. Just like what happened to the Southern Water Tribe. Like, they would have been destroyed. Um, And I think that's very important to say because even though a lot of people within the Northern Water Tribe looked down upon the Southern Water Tribe, it was due to the fact that they ended up just not having the help they needed when they needed it. And that is also a reason of tension between both the nations 
after this happened, the Southern Water Tribe was like, what the hell? Like, how come you guys did not help us? Um, and that we'll come to see later on is a result of the Northern Water Tribe's reaction to all of the attacks that were coming in. Well, Christian, the Northern Water Tribe doesn't sound too great right now, <laughs> but the next uh, next portion of our podcast is going to hopefully dispel or beautify some of the concerns that we might have. I don't know. I think it gets so worse. We, <laughs> I think it gets worse as well. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's learn about the Northern Water Tribe and Agni Kala. So, Christian, we are back. We're here in the beautiful but also very cold capital of the Northern Water Tribe, Agna Kala. We're going to talk about some of the cultural customs we have, especially IDHA, Relationship Corner. We're back with marriage customs, y'all. Your favorite. No, this is, uh, we see this with um, that fuck boy that uh, Princess Yue is uh, betrothed to. But males who have interest in a woman of of the northern water tribe would gift them a traditional betrothal necklace um, this ceremony will be organized by the parents the parental figures yes, yes um of 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 the of the couple itself but um it's essentially it does feel like the the male in this kind of uh relation has the power here yes maybe similar to Similar to um, the engagement ring of, of Western culture that we, we currently reside in, is that's the the female, the woman proposing to the male counterpart in today's culture is still pretty unorthodox, right? And so it seems like the betrothal necklace is is kind of uh, benefiting more of the masculine culture here, mm-hmm. and we see that in terms of Princess Yue, whether how political or not, we don't know, um, completely sure. But Princess Yue does not seem too thrilled to be. Um, to be betrothed to Sir Fuckboy, as we've seen in book one. Yeah, but even with him, he didn't really have a preference either. So I I really think, like it talked about, it's really done with the parents. It's just an arranged marriage, basically. And the guy just has to um, step it up and just make a freaking necklace for her, even if he doesn't even know the girl. And um, that's basically what it is. And the marrying age of these girls, I'm not going to even say women, they were girls, were 16 years old, which is, you know, common sure. if you think back in the day, but they were just 16 and they were just betrothed. Yeah, it's not not the best look, I'd say, <laughs> uh, but... but It is traditional. You know what, there's, there's, there's no but here. It's traditional. Yeah, who knows what the life expectancy was in the Avatar universe Yeah, at this we time. don't know. But at the same time, yeah, I think... Um, we see it in Princess Yue's marriage. It is a political marriage. Mm-hmm. You're right. The parents set that up from a good family for, to a good family. They're it's marrying bloodlines together. It's a tale as old as time, and it's not as romantic as you think. Mm-hmm. Moving on to gender equality. There's not much gender equality here. But as we've seen with Master Paku, uh, women within the Northern Water Tribe were forbidden to fight. Yes. Instead, all waterbenders who are women were trained to be healers. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we see that when Katara approaches the healing pool and sees... Uh, just a full kind of um, full slate of woman waterbenders who's, I think, before she had met Master Paco, she would have been enthralled, thrilled to meet these benders, mm-hmm. regardless of what gender yes. they were. But they were kind of just um, pushed to the side to just be healers themselves. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, we have still yet to see a, a male waterbender who heals. There is this discussion going online how the Northern Water Tribe forbids women to fight but what's the other side where 
did they forbid men from being healers? Was that a role too? Mm. Like the men just had to be in this role too? Because if you think about it nowadays, it's like gender equality goes both ways. It's like, oh, women get to do this and women can't do the same thing for men. And I think like this could have been a huge thing where it's not even about like respect it's more about everyone has their roles and even the men can't cross this line and Mm. i guess to give the northern water tribe some benefit of the doubt that's what i'm believing that it was based not just on like who's superior than the other it's more like no we've had these set traditions and roles for a long time it's not to disrespect these people and these women because if you think about it healing is a huge part it takes a huge part in the war. Like these men would be injured and broken. So they, these women would heal them and revive them. And I think when we first saw Katara learn this skill on her own, it was an amazing discovery for us. And we were like, Oh my God, that's so cool. But in the context of the Northern water tribe, now it's like, Oh, it seems demeaning in some way. But I think if we look at it, in an unbiased view, I think both roles are very important. It's just a matter of, do we have the freedom of will to choose which role we want? And in this case, we aren't allowed to. Yeah, no, and that's, um, I, I think that's an incredible kind of prescient thought. It's, it's really pressing right now. But if we extend this even further into The Legend of Korra, right, which I think Brian Konetsko and Michael DiMartino do a really great job of being like, First off, they don't want to do another Aang, right? They needed someone who's a polar opposite. And they choose Korra, who, um, you know, is not only, like, you know, important as the first kind of bisexual cartoon character heroine that we've we've ever had here, but at the same time, her physique itself, right? She is a fighter. And she's built, she's modeled after kind of the MMA, UFC, um, women fighters that we have today. But not only is she... Um, I think like one of the most gifted fighters in her generation, but she is a healer as well. And she has this kind of sensitivity around spiritual, a spirituality that she grows into. And so it is just kind of the push and pull that we talk about and of traditional gender roles. And also what I think the series tries to grow into is super, I think actualized by Korra's avatar nature and Korra's characterization. I love Cora. I can't wait to talk about Cora as well. This is, I'm, we're just hyped. Yeah, I gotta rewatch it. Lots of lots more water detail. talk coming yes. up. I, I feel like when it first came out, and obviously a lot of people are gonna hate me for this, I really didn't like Cora. I was just like, what the hell is this? I don't like it. Send in your hate mail to Christian. <laughs> no, Dean. please stop. Her her address is bleh 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 bleh, but it's uh send in the hate mail because no, it's absolutely please. ridiculous where she's coming from. Yeah. You know yeah, write write a write a hate hate letter to Christian at like twelve years old. Gonna watch it. I'm gonna love it, I'm sure. <laughs> I did like it though, like the storyline. Um I think it was just Cora really bothered me. Maybe it's because I'm like her, where in some sense I'm super stubborn and I want my way. So when I see it, I'm just like, ugh, ugh, no. <laughs> Maybe it's like that. Yeah, I think. But I think there's more core to you than you understand so far, Christian. As 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 someone has gone through, I I understand that. I I can I understand that to a T. Um, you know what's just one last note on that. I think it's gonna be interesting, Christian, because. Me and you, we come, we we bonded over Avatar, the general universe, but mostly Airbender, right? And so, we talked about all this, um, all these episodes so far from a place of genuine love for Aang and the last Airbender mm-hmm. series. But when we get to Korra, 
I mean, I'm still approaching it from this level of love, but now that I don't know where to meet you on that, maybe the love is kind of missing here. So we might, we might be fighting more as, as Cora approaches, but uh, just know that I'm the winner. You will get hate mail from not only Cora fans, but people I've told to, oh to hate on you. If Excuse you. Don't you. Know, so, so. <laughs> yeah. Just know, just know the love must be matched. Okay. All right. All right. I will try my best. Let's go. Let's go into (laughs) talk. Now that I've got you in a fighting mood, Christian, talk to us about the Northern Water Tribe's role within the Hundred Year War. Yeah. So um, kind of like we talked about previously, the Northern Water Tribe's reaction to the fire raids were very like self-preservation. They were like, oh my God, okay, we need to protect ourselves. So... When these attacks were coming, they actually ended up building these really thick walls of ice, which we come to see later on when we watch book one. These huge, huge, thick walls of ice that the Fire Nation has to get past. And just during that time, they just isolated themselves from the outside world, like completely. So they used to have open ports where a lot of people would come in, come out. They would trade just like any, I guess, like economically balanced civilization But once the war hit, they kind of just stayed put. Like they just didn't want to interact with any other tribe or other nation. And that caused them to completely cut out their sistering tribe. And this was not only the Northern Water Tribe, but also the Southern Water Tribe. Because the Southern Water Tribe had to disperse into all these small mini tribes that they just lost contact and like didn't really know how to contact a northern water tribe and then on the other side the northern water tribe was like we just are not going to communicate at all because we don't want i guess in a way for the fire nation to come at us even more so um that was kind of their role during that time before the big battle that we see in the last couple episodes of book one yeah and um isolation will lead to some negative effects happening for for the northern water tribe it is the the kind of disconnect from their sister tribe in the south it's not quite the level of there is no war in bossing say um kind of live level of isolation ridiculous crazy that's some brainwash but we stuff. see the chiefs exactly just the, what's what's her name i'm now i'm forgetting the name the, there is no war in Boston. oh freak i forgot judy 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 the famous judy there is no war in bossing say we love you, Judy. Stay safe. But I will say, yeah, oh, Judy's not in a good place right now. RIP Jet and Oh, my Judy. God. Oh, they just kill them. Oh, just like, kill oh them no. Uh, but I will say, you know, despite them not being Bossing Say level, um, to their credits, because the chief had been preparing for war. Yes. Right? The, the Northern Water Tribe chief had, had known the Fire Nation exists, and they're actively looking for ways to essentially topple the great kingdoms of both earth and, and water. And so he's ready for the fight. Unfortunately, so as we said in last episode, the Fire Nation chooses to attack because Aang yes. is there. You know, <laughs> he they, would have never went there. Their preservation, exactly. They, they would not have even tested it had the Avatar not arrived and decided to learn waterbending there. But, you know, it all had to, it's a plot yeah, device. I would to. say, though, they, even though they, like, prepared i really don't think they would have been ready because remember when sokka like talks to them and they see these like costumey fire nation outfits and they're like sokka's like bro that's like freaking a hundred years old like what is this costume so i think like that also shows how isolated they 
were where they just didn't interact with anybody they didn't even have the fire nation really come at them because they were kind of like a very neutral land where the fire nation didn't see them as a threat because they weren't helping anybody very contrary to the southern water tribe where they were actively trying to help and they're on ships they were fighting they were battling so they felt more of a threat from the southern water tribe even though they weren't as big as the northern water tribe And I think that had a huge impact on, I guess, the bitterness between the Southern and Northern Water Tribe too. Just the culture and how they carried themselves was very different from the Southern Southern Water Tribe. And I think that just really caused a lot of tension in between them. That's such a great point, Christian, um, that you're right. They probably were not as prepared as as they thought they were. And to the creator's credit of, of the series, like, that costume note is so good, right? Because that costume with the pointy shoulders is what we see in the intro, right? Uh, when everything changed, when the Fire Nation attacked and the guy firebends into it with the mask on, he's got those pointy shoulders. But we don't see that again in the present day with Katara, Aang, and Sokka together. And so that's kind of a nice tie-in into where exactly contextually are are the different tribes in kind of time, place, and mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that also probably is the reason why the Northern Water Tribe didn't really change any of their traditions either because they didn't see the world around them evolving to something bigger. So I think that's why when Katara came into the picture and challenged all this, even though they were stubborn, they had no problem with like being like, okay, something needs to change. And I think that is something that the Northern Water Tribe was good at where they have their structure, they have their power and they have their thoughts however they're willing to compromise and change man the complexities of the water tribes and nation themselves are just incredible Um, but as we go from war one topic of war we can move into the more cheery section of politics right and we'll talk about the relationship between the two tribes themselves yes okay so we did bleed into this topic when we're talking about the southern and northern water tribe but there is a bit more background information than what was given in the storyline. The Northern Water Tribe, when they first moved over from the tropical like islands, just like the foggy swamp areas, when they started moving over, the Northern Water Tribe was actually such a big, massive group of people that even though they were in the North Pole, they had control over the South Pole. It was kind of just like everyone knew this is where everything was happening. Um, And this actually caused a lot of tension between the Southern and Northern Water Tribe because the Southern Water Tribe did not agree with a lot of things that the Northern Water Tribe wanted to implement. So what they did was they tried to create this like chief of command within the Southern Water Tribe and whatever they wanted to do, they'd have to talk to the Northern Water Tribe about it. So there had to be communication. Okay, what rules do we want to place? And they did this to just accommodate to what the Southern Water Tribe wanted. And another part of that was actually the Northern Water Tribes would find their spouses in the Southern Water Tribe. And they did that a lot. So from what I know, it was the Northern men chose the Southern women to be their wives, which is why maybe that was the reason why the Southern Water Tribe let women and men choose because they saw the downfall of the women just having no choice Uh, and having to go with mm. these men that were from the Northern Water Tribe. So that could have been like a huge impact on why the Southern Water Tribe was like, no, we don't like this tradition. It is not okay. Um, So that might have 
been an influence on that. Um, and then we get into Avatar Kuruk. He was the avatar in the Northern Water Tribe, which caused even, I guess, more tension or more pride for the North to be like, oh, look, we have the avatar not from the Southern Water Tribe. And we see that, and you mentioned that in Korra, where she's from the Southern Water Tribe. So that probably caused yes. a lot of tension between them too. So they've always had this battle before the Hundred Year War too. Like they had this when they just migrated toward the North Pole. The North Pole was just where the Northern Water Tribe prospered a bit more than the Southern Water Tribe. So yeah, and when Avatar Crook was born, um, he had his difficulties because he didn't really take, I guess, his role as seriously. And um, we see the tragic event of his betrothed having her face stealed by the face stealer, which is freaking scary <laughs> and that is oh my god that's I'm, a huge event there too it's, it haunts my dreams christian so it truly scary. haunts my dreams co yeah. the face dealer Ugh. Oh when we god. get I, I, I yeah. can't when we can't. get into the different types of spirits i really want to like rate how freaking scary they are yeah yeah because yeah. there's some freaky ones but it's truly terrifying scary wise I think Ko takes it to yeah, the cake Yeah, it's just scary. It's like, I think it's because it's not like a physical, like in terms of like, I'm hurt, but it's like, he's taking away your freaking identity. Right. Um, but that was kind of like, I guess, the relationship between the Southern and Water Tribe. And it just got worse because of the war where the Southern Water Tribe kind of dispersed the Northern Water Tribe, isolated themselves. And like I mentioned, the Southern Water Tribe really blamed in some way the Northern Water Tribe for not helping them. Because if they joined together, I'm sure that Southern Water Tribe would have prospered a bit more. You know what, Christian? That's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a really powerful thing. I think there, there's a lot of blame going around. I do want to say a couple fun facts about my boy Avatar Kirk because yes. you know he gets he gets the short end of the stick <laughs> here a lot. He kind of exists in the story as a cautional as a precautionary tale to all avatars to be like more serious about your job because like and don't get don't get punked by a spirit who takes away your one true love in life. But Avatar Kirk, master pie show player, he loved the game of pie show, which we've seen in, in uh, through Uncle Iroh is a symbol of wisdom. Pie show. It is, and uh, he was wise. I think one thing we, um, we I, I mentioned in the past and before I just read about it recently was that the avatar right before him was the air uh, air nomad avatar, Avatar Yang Chen, and her biggest regret in her avatar ship was that she gave humans too much credit, um, and she thought humans would uphold their their end of the bargain with. Um, with uh, when a treaty between spirit and humans were made about not encroaching on certain lands and all that. And so while after she passed and humans had constantly betrayed spirits again and again, um, when she was reincarnated into Avatar Kirk, the spirits really had it out for him because they believed the Avatar had, uh, had failed his, his and her spiritual duty. And so after Kirk, it's a rough break. And maybe that's why Ko um, saw, saw to it that he was punished for the not only what his transgressions were, but generally what the Avatar had lacked in the past. With all of that, there was the talk that he wanted to marry 
in the spirit oasis. So that could have been even like a huge trigger for all the spirits. Like you're really going to get Oof. married in the spirit oasis. Like we got boundaries, dude. Like you're the avatar. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that could have been like another just breaking point. Well, spirits don't believe in marriage. Spirits don't believe in but love. But it could have been like, hey, do it on your damn land. Why are you going to do it in the spirit oasis, you know? Oh, damn. You heard it. You heard it here first. Christian said, don't get married in religious houses. What? She, no. She says they don't respect it at all. So screw your temples. That is not what I said, okay? We just got to set boundaries. <laughs> Bound, boundaries. This is like Christian always cussing up a storm. Denying Look, freedom of freedom of gathering for in, your in religious information, places. I am very respectful of all of this. <laughs> I just have my opinions, and if you can't deal with that, then you're not being respectful to me. Okay. Don't steal my face, Christian, because you're angry. Okay. Don't send co after me. I'm sorry, I offended you. Oh my god. But you understand the whole spirit oasis. Yes. Like that yes. was that was the spirits. It's a great point. That was their, um, I guess, place. And to have it kind of right after the last avatar giving humans too much authority for the next avatar to basically instill that even more. I'm sure that was very difficult for the spirits in that way. You know what? We've been talking a lot about separation, about spiritual disharmony. But now I think we're finally ready, Christian, to talk about reunion. So we actually get to see the beginning of this reunion happening after the war. Yes. Yes. Master Paku's like, I'm going to go to the Southern Water Tribe. I'm going to help restore the tribe. And also, you know, I might rekindle my relationship, you know? Master Paku with the libido, <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the mojo, still going strong in his age. Oh, God, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. But I, I, I want to say uh, Team Avatar is absolutely pivotal to this reunion in every single way. Not, o- not only does Aang um, protect the Northern Water Tribe from invasion, but we see it first with Sokka. When Sokka puts on, um, he decides to join the force, right? And completely uh, disavow any of the bad beef they've had between Northern and Southern Water Tribe and says, I will fight to protect my sister tribe right in the North. And Gitara, as we've talked about it in our last um, episodic episode of Cabbage Corp, was that her new thinking and her um, her ability to really talk reason to Master Paku is a huge reason why reunion is even possible. Yeah, and I think Katara was really the only person who could do this because when she brought up Grand Grand, she basically said, because of your tradition, she left. Like, because of uh, how strict you yeah. made it, this is the reason why she left. And she didn't just say that, but she owned up on the fact that she became a master. And so women were capable of becoming great and i think they had to look past their traditions to see their own instinct to survive was i guess like bigger than their traditions and they saw that in katara that if katara can do it there's a lot of women who have the same ability but were not given the chance because of these traditions and i think yeah katara's role is super pivotal in this new change and we also see in Korra like Katara is still like active in that way absolutely Katara still going strong our girl possibly going to be the winner of our Cabbage Corp power rankings but uh 100 years later she's she's out here providing wisdom healing she's popped out plenty of kids <laughs> and uh she's kicking ass in all in all in all forms yes 
Katara really is, I think, at the center of the reunion of the Water Tribes. And it's a beautiful way that I think um, Korra gets to learn directly mm-hmm. from her as well. Yes, and it's just, I'm really, that is the one thing I really liked about Korra is I'm, I was sad that they didn't have other people in the old series in Korra, but I sure. really liked how Katara was there. And I think it's just, I guess, speaks to her character too. As a kid and even as an adult, she was very active in making sure things were done right and there was justice. That's a, you know what? I'm glad we I'm glad we landed on reunion. That makes me feel a lot better about both water tribes. Still, northern water tribe kind of dicks. You know, they continue to be dicks, but um, it does set up set us up for kind of actually not even a beautiful feature because it's uh, <laughs> they have a lot of fighting left to do in Korra. But they got to start I'm somewhere. Glad for now. They You're have right. to start You're somewhere. Right. It's possible, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we learned from quarantine, as we learned from 2020, try to squash the beef you have, y'all. Yeah. Even if it's b- because of some some fucking patriarchal bullshit here. You know, try to squash it. Be better. Look at Korra. She did it. Korra is the light. Katara is the light. Thank you, Katara. If you're a big fan of podcasts or wanted to show some love and support to the Capricorn podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com slash premium for only $4.99 a month. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive episodes from Stitcher. If you just want to check it out and you don't really know if it's for you, don't worry. If you use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout, you get a month free on us. So go check it out. Uh, with that, it is actually the end of this episode. Ooh. And this episode's actually pretty short, but it had a lot of information. And thank you guys again for listening in on the Cabbage Corp podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Cabbage Corp Pod. And Tune in next week for part three of our mini-series. Hey, I got my eye on you. Water drop.